Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Uh, I'm in the studio by myself today. Michelle is out, so... um, so you'll just have to listen to me all morning, except for our wonderful guests that we have coming up. Um, we've uh, we've got some some great stuff to talk about today. Uh, we've got some folks from MedStar Washington Hospital coming in to talk about one of their uh, community-based initiatives. And uh, John Maines from SB Works will be joining us to talk about a new small business grant opportunity uh, out there. And, um, of course, we'll talk to Casey later on during the show about good food markets. Um but first, we're gonna we're just gonna dive in. I don't have a whole lot in the way of announcements, other than um, fall is here. We're th- thrilled about that. Um, but we're just gonna dive in because um, Aaron Denews is here, and he has Denews today. And Aaron, you've got a great topic. Thank you, thank you for having me again today, Kyle. Yes, yeah, today we're talking to local neighbor Pearl Bailey. Almost 100 years ago, Pearl was born in 1918. Uh, Back then, Woodrow Wilson was the president of the United States, and she was just this phenomenal individual. She lived close by at uh, 1428 Irving Street, so she was right around the corner. And she had the most incredible lifespan that included a Tony, a Grammy, a Daytime Emmy. Get this, she was Special Ambassador to the United Nations. She received the Presidential Medal of Freedom— she played with Duke Ellington down on U Street. Of course she did. I mean, absolutely incredible person. Her brother, Bill Bailey, is the first filmed practitioner of the moonwalk in a 1943 <laughs> movie called Cabin in the Sky. So she's just, she's again, she's a cultural gem. She's an American icon. And she lived right down here uh, at 1428 Irving Street. And one more Northeast. thing. Northeast. Northeast, right, right here close to uh, the studio. And one more thing. Pearl is largely credited for, in 1949, asking this young man named Anthony Dominic Benedetto to open for her uh, for his uh, show back in, back in the day. And Pearl says, you know, I, I think you should, you should come down and open for us, and she invites Bob Hope, and Bob Hope's there that night, and, and it's famously known that uh, Anthony Dominic Benedetto uh, that night, Bob Hope said, you know, I think you're going to need to shorten your name, um, Tony Bennett. That's it. Let's call you Tony Bennett. So <laughs> Pearl Bailey is credited for really uh, finding uh, Tony and, and letting uh, him open for her down in Greenwich Village in 1949. So nice. she's just this American icon. Nice. I And what was uh, – she lived on Irving Street, um, she, right? During the mid, mid-career part of her life, uh, she wasn't born in D.C. She lived in and out of D.C. for different sections. Um but yes, yeah, she was here for a short time, but she she definitely performed uh, all throughout U Street for a number of years, and she considered DC a one of her homes. Nice, nice. I think that's a great news piece, man. We we love. I I think uh, Rhode Island Avenue uh, for folks that maybe haven't been here for uh, a gazillion years don't realize what a great music history exists here on Rhode Island Avenue and in the surrounding community. So uh, look forward to hearing about. Other musical legends from the Rhode Island <laughs> Avenue corridor from Aaron Denew. Thank you. Thank Denews. you so much. Thank I you. I appreciate Aaron. it. Okay, now it's time to check in with Casey at Good Food Markets. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
doing well. When nice I, to finally see a turn in the weather. Yes, um, yes. It's a it's a much uh, much awaited fall for us. So I just saw you last night uh, when I popped in. Of course, we were recording this on a Friday morning, and I saw you last night as I was getting ready for the big. Washington, the big game. The Washington Nationals game that didn't turn out so well for us. Man, but, uh, what a bummer. I even stayed up late and everything. Yeah. Sure is hard now. <laughs> yeah. I've stayed up way past my bedtime for that. But uh, <laughs> you guys had stuff flying off the shelf, getting ready for uh, for going home and watching Oh, my goodness. Game. So many last-minute beer runs. Yeah. Yep. It was um, definitely good energy in D.C. I know a lot of people were passing through Navy Yard on their uh, commute back home. Um, but, you know, there's always next year. That's yeah. That's, oh, what, <laughs> that's what we keep clinging to. There's always next year. Exactly. Um, so fall. Yeah. Fall stuff. What's going on at the store? Yeah. I mean, you saw when you were in last night, we have um, still some Oktoberfest, not too many. We're clearing through that. Um, but I know a lot of people have um, Halloween parties coming up. Public Option is doing a Halloween party. They mm-hmm. just came in and posted a flyer last night. Yep. Um, costume contest, everything. We're super stoked for that. Um, but pumpkin beers at our shop as well. We have quite a few. Um, a lot of them I'm doing just as singles because personally, I'm not crazy about the pumpkin beer. I can't do a whole six pack. Um, but if you wanted to mix and match and try a few, we're breaking them all down. Um, so you can see which of the pumpkins you most prefer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, mostly it's just cinnamon and clove, right? That's the flavor. Mm-hmm. But, um, on an actual hard squash pumpkin note, uh, we are starting to bring those in as well. I can't tell you how many people last night. I'll wait for this siren to go by. Oh, we want um, a little flavor. Okay, Keep okay. on going. I can't tell you how many um, people came in last night looking for um, for squash ingredients, um, beans for making chili. And I was like, oh, you're making game chili? You're making game soup? And everyone's like, no, it's it's just fine. That's what um, we do. But yeah, we have quite a few hard squash as well. We've got pie pumpkins, nice. which look something like a carving pumpkin, um, but are much better for baking with. The the jack-o'-lanterns that everybody uses to carve um, aren't very good quality eating pumpkins. Right. They're, they're for show. They're mostly for show. Exactly. And if anybody is, you know, tearing through those, we're going to have some pumpkins for carving outside the shop. Um, and those, if you don't already save the seeds on those and roast them up, mm, that's an amazing snack. Right. Um, you don't get too many now with these pumpkins. I remember when I was a kid, you dig into a pumpkin and you're coming out with all kinds of guts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but whatever this new cultivated variety is, there aren't as many seeds. Real easy for carving. Nice. Um, but my favorite one that we have in the shop right now is actually called a butterkin. Ooh. So it's a hybrid between a butternut squash and a pumpkin. Interesting. So it's not as um, phallic and unsightly as a butternut squash. It's quite cute and round like a pumpkin, um, but the flesh inside is very similar to a butternut squash. Very nice. Very nice. So not, yeah, not quite as um, thick as pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's Sounds amazing. I so want... it's a newer crop. Um, it's a hybrid. It's not genetically modified at all. Some people get a little weary if they see something um, new in the store. If it's been, you know, created or uh, or you know, bred. Um, but the 
this was, you know, made through some crossbreeding of squash. Some good old-fashioned um, Mendelian genetics. New, new squash. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and it's healthy. All kinds and of vegetables. It's healthy. It's and healthy. And uh, as always, you guys have um, good ideas uh, to share with people about how to prepare those things. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Wealth of knowledge in the store. <laughs> yep, yep. You can't yep. shut our employees up. <laughs> the the stuff that you guys have been creating for your um your uh grab and go um mm-hmm. in, in Union Kitchen. That's you know, the winter and fall and winter is my favorite time to get stuff from you guys. Like last night I went for the the seven layer dip, the good food market seven layer dip, because that's what you do mm-hmm. for game day. And you know, that was always one that we had on season. Um but People can't buy enough of that stuff, and so we're probably going to keep carrying it. But definitely keep an eye out for our winter and fall menu. That's going to be launching, um, I think, this week. Um, We've been working on the menu. Um, We've had some sneak peeks, such as the shrimp pasta salad, which I know that our shrimp salad is is generally a pretty big winner. Um, But the shrimp pasta salad's got the Old Bay seasoning in it. It's a little spicy. Um, It's got red onion, and it's... It's really full of flavor. Um, good portion, really well made by our kitchen. Of course it um, is. So that's one of the things that we have. Sounds good. Um, and then I think we're going to be doing a few more pasta things. Great, great. <clears throat> so um, please remind listeners where they can find all this deliciousness. Absolutely. Come see us. Um, good Food Markets, we're at 20th and Rhode Island at 2006. Um, we are open Monday through Friday, or Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, we're online at goodfoodmarkets.com and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Nice, nice. Well, Casey, as always, thank you for calling in and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you, Kyle. See you soon. Bye. Right. So we are going to uh, start chatting with our first guest today. Um, we are welcoming to the studio Patricia Weeks Colhurst and Jasmine Childs from MedStar Washington Hospital. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, MedStar Washington Hospital located over on uh, 110 Irving Street, Northwest. You're in the neighborhood. Um, we'll forgive you the Northwest. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, you're just on the other side of, of North Capitol. You're still part of the family That's here. right. That's right. Uh, still Ward 5. Yes. Um, and I, I'm thrilled you guys are here today. Um, you, We uh, here in Ward 5 have um, an incredibly diverse population and uh, a a population of of folks that uh, are at some risk for some health issues. And uh, and you guys are here to talk about that today. Yes. All right. So uh, congratulations for getting a grant for uh, colorectal cancer prevention in the neighborhood. Yes. We're going to talk colorectal cancer. That's that's always a bright and uplifting thing to talk about. (laughs) It is. But the bright enough elevation part is you're going to talk about how to prevent it. Yes. All right. So, um, Patricia, you are the director of the the cancer uh, research or, excuse me, cancer prevention. Ah, I'm, I'm just, you just talk. Sure, <laughs> sure. You know what you do. <laughs> so I'm one of the directors in the Cancer Institute. My, uh, I have two departments, one that oversees patient support services and the other one that actually oversees the accreditation for the Cancer Institute as an approved cancer program. Um, So under that came this project, um, the colorectal prevention in the neighborhood, 
um, through our grateful donors, through the um, Cigna Foundation and the American Cancer Society, and we have two private grateful donors. So we're we're thankful for um, allowing us to be the recipients so that we can actually be able to touch, you know, those in the community and educate our patient population. Very cool. And and Jasmine, you uh, have the title Community Navigator. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what are you what are you navigating so we we as a community navigator and it's actually two of us part of this project um but we go into the community to really make sure that we are educating the population because that's that's really what the main focus of the project is to be the face of the project to go into the community to make sure that we're cultivating we're educating we're encouraging people to go into preventative preventional methods of colorectal cancer so i am the one that you'll usually see at all of the events all right, all right. <laughs> and as i've called you partnership, you know, making sure that we are really touching base with all of our Ward 5 residents and making sure that we're making this as easy a process as possible through any kind of screening that we can offer. Uh, that's fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and the, the grant that you have, um, this building awareness in Ward 5 among the African-American population, mm-hmm. um, you guys have a lot of stuff going on with this. <laughs> this, yeah. is, uh, this is not just Here's a flyer no. about, about symptoms. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the actual project initiatives. So some of the project initiatives that we really like to focus on is making sure that we are really building those partnerships within the community um, because we have to meet our people where they are. So it's building that communication. It's really building that partnership with different events that's happening throughout the community as well as creating our own. So we want to not only make sure that we're going out into the community, but we want to attract you too. So that's really the rules of engagement here so we're really making sure we're doing that community engagement piece there too um, because something like this you know is very preventable so we want to make sure that we are giving that education at earlier stages because the whole reason behind this is that we're having people at younger and younger ages coming in at higher and higher stages so that's that's really where we have to make sure that we're doing our part as part of the cancer institute as part of the colorectal prevention um, project to make sure that we're doing all that we possibly can so uh, colorectal cancer, uh, what are the, let's, let's get to the nitty gritty here. What are the symptoms? Symptomless. <laughs> yeah. isn't, isn't that, you know, it, it, that's, the, that's the primary thing that we try to make sure that we're educating our residents on. Um, and we're hoping to move into other wards of D.C. too, eventually, if we do a great job this year. <laughs> um, but the, it, it's symptomless. You know, your first stages, you don't feel symptoms. And usually if you feel like you are having symptoms, you're usually too late. So we want to make sure that um, we're catching you if if there is anything at the point where there may be invisible blood. And that can be through a fecal occult blood test, um, which is a take-home kit that you can do in the privacy of your own home or navigate you to a colonoscopy if you've never had one. Um, partner Partnering with one of our funders of Cigna, showing you how to really use your insurance. You know, not just waiting until you feel a symptom. Making sure that we're are catching you at the preventable stages as opposed to when you can be at stages three or four where you're at about 11 to 5 percent survival rate in five years so we want to make sure that we're catching you at earlier stages so i noticed that um so the the title of the of the project is building awareness and we're five among the african-american population is the african-american population um more susceptible is there a higher rate patricia so I wouldn't say that they are a higher rate. I think um, I think because of the lack of knowledge mm. in the community and resources, that's why we're seeing so many African Americans with late stage disease. Gotcha. Um, and we also saw the same thing with our breast program as well. 
Um, so I think, you know, the more the navigators are out in the community, they're that constant reminder, you know, the constant education is there. Um, hopefully we'll start to see those numbers drop. You know, a lot of it also has to do with diet and exercise. So that's the other piece and component, as Jasmine mentioned, pulling in um, one of our funders, the Cigna Foundation, which has been a great partnership. Um, they have so many different resources. And one of the reasons why they agreed to partner with us is because we said, well, you know what? In addition to providing education and the free kits and navigation to colonoscopy, how, how about if we pull in the um, edu- education on what to eat, how to eat? So we're offering that portion as well. Um, We're going to start to implement cooking classes so that individuals in the community, instead of using the typical ways that they used to cook with meat and, you know, of course, we all use butter, but of course, (laughs) generously, but how to use different herbs and how to make your food taste well, you know, because colorectal cancer, you know, is part of how we eat and what we eat gets trapped into our colon. Mm -hmm. So if we're eating right and we're eating well, then the good things that we put in you know, will definitely benefit our body and not cause a negative side effect such as perhaps colorectal cancer. Right, right. And um, is there a is there an age group or a gender that is at a higher risk? Nope. So I would say that our age group that we usually the conversation starts at 50. Um, so we work with our physicians and we were told that the conversation usually starts at 50. However, within this project, we're actually starting to target a little bit younger. Um, so we're starting to target market at about 45 through 60 because those are those are really the ages that we want to gravitate to the, that age range to make sure that they're educated because that's where our research came from. So our research came from that we're having people at younger ages around the age of 50 that are coming in with the higher ages. So we want to try and navigate more towards the younger population, that working population, that insured population, you know, to make sure that we're giving out that education too. And, you know, something else that I wanted to say about colorectal cancer is that we found that this is actually the number two death causing cancer for men and women in the DC area. So we want to make sure that something like that, we can lower the And that was the great partnership with American Cancer Society because they already had the program of 80 by 2018 to really screen to save lives. So that's that's really our project initiatives. Mm -hmm. So uh, what type of uh, what when you talk about doing outreach, uh, what what are you doing? What, how are you? How are you like standing on a street corner hand, handing out <laughs> no. stool stamp no, no, um, no, no, no. So we we like to partner with a lot of associations that are already um, kind of having events into the community, but now we're at the point where we want to have our own events. So, like Miss Patricia had mentioned, we're going to start doing cooking classes and different things like that to really engage into the community. But our first um, kind of initiation into um, branching the project out into the community was kind of partnering with some organizations civic associations that already had the members coming and in attention and we can just really present to our community so it's putting on the educational presentation at the end of the presentation offering the free screening and we can offer gate off off <laughs> we can offer to navigate you to either a colonoscopy if you've never had one or we can offer to give you an fobt kit a fecal occult blood test um, to take home and it just takes a stool sample and it's super easy so that's that's also the 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 um, benefit of having someone by you because I can walk you through it. I can literally hold your hand through it if you need me to. I mean, I don't want to be in the bathroom, but 
<laughs> but if you need, you know, to, and I've had um, screening participants that I've had to call maybe twice, you know, and walk them through it again. They're like, can you explain it again? Now it does come with instructions and everything leading into it. But some people just need that, that extra hand holding, which is fine with me because this is what I'm here for, you know, and I'll go, okay, nope, the paper goes in, you take the sample, you put it in the lab, you write your name, you send it off. That's it. You know, it, it's supposed to be very, very simple to do just so we can get those results back to make sure. And, and what I will tell you too, so we um, have been doing these for a couple months now, but all of our results so far have come back negative. Yay. So we are very, very excited about that. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's just making sure that we can get you screened. And I, um, I feel like sometimes when we come up against a challenge in the community, I'm like, I'm not trying to steal your money or step on your toe. I just want to get you screened <laughs> to save your life. <laughs> I just want to save your life. Minor little so, thing. Minor just little thing. Minor. Just want to prolong your life. Well, what about follow-up for those folks that, um, you know, what happens if, you know, God forbid, some, somebody's test come back, comes back questionable? What, yeah. What's the next stage for them? So the great thing is we, we have a team. And it's not just Jasmine, Courtney, and myself. We have a team of clinicians um, that's on the project as well. Um, Dr. David Shockett, who's one of our gastroenterologists at Medstone Washington Hospital Center. Um, Dr. Elma Horter, who is the cancer preventorium director and also the project director for um, this, the medical project director for this program. And so we have a process by if someone does get screened positive, um, that we can either bring them in. And so Dr. Shockett is willing to see them as a patient and follow them. Um, Dr. Perker also does the follow-up as well. So we have a true system in place so that no one gets lost, and that's the key. Yeah, yeah. Um, making sure that, you know, part of navigation is making sure that you don't get lost in the continuum of what we're mm -hmm. trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those pieces together. We also have a nurse practitioner. Um, her name is Marjorie. I can't remember Marjorie's last name, but... Um, she works, too, on the project. And so she's the nurse practitioner who also will navigate patients once they are seen in the hospital. Gotcha. So we truly have a team from the outpatient perspective, meeting the community navigators, um, then following through with individuals who need to come to the hospital. Very nice. Very nice. And for those 45 to 50, the, the, the negative results are... are in this case, it would be a positive thing that there's a negative result. Mm -hmm. yes. um, <laughs> what what type, if any, uh, follow-up happens with them to get them in in another X number of years for um, a recheck? Um, so um, everything usually has like a timeline. So if you did... Um, choose to go with the FOBT kit, that follow-up would be within a year. So if you did get your negative result, we send that out to you. We make sure that you got your official forms of communication on that. And then we follow up. Um, you'll be scheduled to take another one in another year. So that's the kind of difference between the two um, screening uh, screening options that we do offer. Um, as in with a colonoscopy, once you're navigated through um, Dr. Shockett there. Now, a colonoscopy can happen every 10 years, or if otherwise authorized by your physician, it can happen every seven, every five, some people every three. It just depends on what the history was or what exactly was found through the colonoscopy. Very interesting. Um, so how how long do you have this grant for? Is this an indefinite ongoing thing? Is this a We want it to be. We want it. Yes. <laughs> and you know, the reason why we want it to be, just as with the breast program, um, there is a need in the community. Right. And I think that's really MedStar's push is that how do we address what's going on in the community? Because when individuals come in with late stage disease, that's actually more out of their pocket to pay us. And then it's sure. more for us to take care of them. So we're really trying to look at this from a proactive standpoint that how do we go about making sure that individuals in the community know 
listen, the earlier detection, it does save lives, but it also, you know, puts you in a good place where you don't have to come to see us and, mm-hmm. and constantly be in the hospital setting. So, you know, for as long as we can continue to look at the project, you know, we'll continue to look at the barriers. And I think that's what really helps us to then decide, okay, how are we going to address next year right. by looking at the barriers? And that's the great thing with the community navigators. We do meet. We talk about what's going on in the community, what barriers they're coming up against. Um, and then we go back when it is time to reapply for the grant and we write up, okay, this is what we're seeing and this is what we need. So, so far, you know, the, the uh, Cigna Foundation, American Cancer Society, everyone has been great because they're very excited about the project. Um, what's also nice is that because we've built a relationship with Councilman McDuffie, um, he's familiar, very familiar with our breast get to breast care program. He's also endorsed this program as well. So, you know, we're really building partnerships with the local government, um, the council members, the ANCs mm-hmm. in the community to help get the word out. And so that's important, too. So when you talk about yeah. that partnership, so that's what's going to create longevity. And what we'd like to see eventually is that really the government look at this as being a potential solution, you know, looking at it and saying, OK, community navigation does work. You know, how do we budget for it? How do we make sure that, you know, we have those types of individuals in our community addressing chronic diseases? Mm-hmm. So not just cancer. We're talking about things like diabetes and hypertension mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. So if the model works, which we know it does, um, we like to just keep pushing it out there so that the awareness increases and so forth. And then hopefully have the local government pick it up as, as a, uh, a long-term solution to what we see in the district. So, Patricia, you you mentioned uh, just a minute ago barriers yes. to to getting the screening or to taking preventative measures. Um, what what types of barriers are you seeing as far as tre- trends and barriers? Is there anything that stands out that uh, is a significant recurring theme? I would probably say um, fear. <laughs> fear is definitely a barrier. It's that, like going uh, to the dentist. It's like going to the dentist. Please don't find a cavity. Um, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it, I feel like that's one of our um, major barriers that we do come up against within the community. And it's a fear of a colonoscopy against men or a fear of having to take something further or the fear of even knowing, you know, mm. at the very least. Um, so, you know, some people are fearful of knowing if they have anything. So some people feel like, you know, well, well, if it's my time, then it's my time. And, um, you know, it's like, well, if you if you know that you can do something to prolong your life, if you can be proactive about prolonging your own life, the only one that you get, <laughs> you know, why not want to take that step forward? So that's some of the things that we do come up against. But the great thing about being so personable is that, you, you know, you really ma- you rarely make enemies and you're able to really comfort them the way that they need to and you're able to be relatable into the way that they need to to really smooth it over um so i I feel like those are some of the things that we do come up against but with my partner courtney williams and i i think when we really team in together and when we're out into the community if we do come up against some of those barriers we're able to just kind of smile them through it and so before you know it they're like okay (laughs) sign me up i'll check no good <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, a colonoscopy is really just a good nap, <laughs> right? You know, it, it's all marketing. You know, it's all marketing. How are you going to market it? And so, even within um, our educational presentation, we we show that you know we want to be very forward facing with this. We want to be very upfront with it. Um, some things that you might encounter, you know, we go over the prep. You know, we go over those things too, just because we we want you to go into it eyes open. You know what I mean, and very knowledgeable about what's about to take place but understand it is for the greater good you know so um even within our educational presentation we do show you um 
a colonoscope. You know, we show you the suite that you'll be in. We, you know, we talk about the light anesthetic. You know, we, we do make sure that we are in depth about what will take place. We talk about polyps, how it's actually started. We give you the results. We give you the stages within five years. We give you the percentages. Um, we review all the different stages of colorectal cancer, how it starts as a polyp, whether it's malignant or not going all the way to it being distant, you know, how it then at stage four can go out of your colon. It's now going into your organs where it where it really starts and where it can really end. And, you know, we just want to make sure that we're covering all bases in between because it's really that knowledge. It's the knowledge, it's the education, and it's also the access. So again, about being a community navigator is that we go to where you are. <laughs> if you're going to be here on a Tuesday, we're going to be there on a Tuesday, you know, so we want to meet the community where they are too and not always say, well, come to the hospital come to the hospital come to the hospital because sometimes the hospital like you said like the dentist is really scary I don't ever like to go to the dentist but I know I need to and more so for my son to see it so that he gets into the habit of it you know and it's just like we don't always want to say okay well come to the hospital and make sure you're getting checked no we're gonna come to you and make sure you get checked if I need to deliver one to your home I'll make sure I do that if I need to (laughs) you know if that's the case if wherever the need is this is where a community navigator meets it and that's really the purpose of of our so important. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. important. So, um, obviously the hospital is here in the community, yes. uh, over on Irving street, North Capitol area. Um, if, if, uh, our listeners want to find out more about the, the initiative, um, you guys have a website. What? Where can we find out more information about? So you can definitely. Uh, I'll give you my email as well as my phone number. Um, so my name is Jasmine Child, and my email is my first name Jasmine J A S M I N E dot Child C H I L D S at MedStar dot net, and the phone number there is two zero two. Eight seven seven six eight three four. So if there's anything, and then also you can also visit us at the Patient Support Services Center, um, and we have an office there as well. So anytime that you need to come by to the hospital, the Patient Support Services at uh, at Irving Street, one ten yes. Irving Street, one ten yes. Irving Street <laughs> yes. Northwest, uh, Washington D.C. two zero zero one zero. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for um, having us. We will be uh, uh, working with you guys to find other areas that you can reach out to the community with. Um, sure. If uh, if you have some other projects related to this, some you know some pop up initiatives as sure. you might mm-hmm. call them, um, be sure and just give me a shout. Tell me tell me you want to come back in and talk about sure it. Sure, will. We will. We will. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kyle, for having us. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine, thank and thank you, you Patricia. Thank we'll you. See you soon. All right. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so our next guest uh, today is John Maines from SB Works. Welcome, John. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Welcome back, I should say. Uh, John, you're the executive director of SB Works, located at 2316 Rhode Island Avenue, small business um, co-working space and uh, a little bit everything co-working space small business assistance nonprofit, um general resource center for for businesses in the dc area especially here on rhode island and in ward five yep and a great partner with us um we've we've worked together to get a lot of education out the door to small businesses in the community um well thank you for joining us today i'm really excited to have you come in and talk about uh the latest big thing that you're rolling out the uh 
small business challenge grant. Yeah. So this is the second year we're doing the SB Works small business challenge. And what the small business challenge is, it's, it's basically a program where we have small businesses fill out a, a simple application writing into us about what project or what proposal would improve their business. And if they have someone to, to do that work, we check them out, we vet them, and we help approve and fund that. If they don't have someone to do that work, we find that person to do that for them. Uh, we know that businesses know what they need best themselves. So this is a really good opportunity to to take a very easy approach uh, to to get some funds, to get some support and resources to uh, get your projects done to get your proposals and and the things that a lot of these businesses know that they need to to streamline or to move to the next level or to really get off the ground. So this is the the second year you've done this. Mm -hmm. Uh, What types of projects did you fund the first round? Well, yes, year was an awesome success. It was was really nice to see. uh, We've got business proposals from all over the district, wards uh, one, four, five, six, seven, and eight, Um, all types of businesses from from uh, daycare to consultant groups to, um, you know, bakeries, things like that. And we did um, all kinds of stuff. Did over $100,000 of support, ranging from uh, storefront signage and facade improvements. So if you need new signs, you want to update the way your storefront looks, all of that, to uh, new websites, to business coaching, getting paying a consultant to spend, you know, 30 hours with you to do some uh, accounting work to update your books or to develop a marketing plan for you or to do some just uh, sit down with you and do some long-term planning on on the, how your business will grow or how your business can succeed so. nice nice um, is there a, is there a specific dollar amount that you are awarding each grant or is it kind of We'll see what projects are, are coming. Yeah, in we door. definitely we see what projects are coming in. We've already allotted um, over a hundred thousand dollars again to to give out this year. So last year we had that hundred thousand dollars was split. Um, over a hundred thousand was split um, between about thirty two different projects that we awarded. Most of them were on the the two to four thousand end. That's the typical price for um, you know a, a website update or or a new website creation a. 30-hour consulting program, things like that. So that's why most of the projects ended up being in that range. Of course, if you have a brick-and-mortar store and you were a participant in one of the uh, programs that helped you get new signage and facade improvement, that's a little bit higher. Uh, Those awards were a little bit higher, and those usually come with a contribution from the business themselves. But this year, uh, we still have, like I said, lots of money, over 100000 to invest in local businesses. Uh, We have no set amount. Um, most of our projects, we encourage everyone to be ambitious. Uh, you know, we can always scale back and, and work on funding a piece of your idea if we can't do the whole thing. And one thing that I really like to emphasize is that if you do something that helps a community or a corridor or multiple businesses at once, you know, you want to develop an app to promote a, a certain area. Uh, Rhode Island's going to do a joint marketing plan for their businesses, something like that. If it's impacting multiple businesses, we'll definitely raise that limit um, up into the 10000 or more. So. Nice, nice. Um, how does a business, what, what does it take for a business to qualify? So to qualify, it's, it, we're fairly flexible. We're fairly simple. You need to be a business. Uh, you can be new or you can be existing. We can help you get off the ground or improve what you're already doing. And really the biggest eligibility is you have to be D.C.-based. Um, and you have to be in wards one 
four, five, six, seven, or eight. Uh, we don't do too much in two or three, but if you're anywhere else or you do your work anywhere in those wards that are eligible, um, we're not really restrictive on types of businesses as long as you're not a, a franchise. We're not really restrictive on sizes of businesses as long as you're a pretty small um, shop or a pretty small um, endeavor. You know, once you uh, once you get over a million a year in revenue, you can you can we don't have a whole lot to offer you that you can't uh, go out there and, and pay for um, or buy yourself. Uh, so we are looking for those small, you know, one to ten employees um, all over the district, all types of work. Uh, the eligibility process is is an application. It's a pretty straightforward application. And, and one thing I like to emphasize is that we're more concerned about your stories, about the business stories, about how the business impacts the community they're in, how they will improve with the project that we're helping to fund, uh, rather than any uh, the paperwork. We want to see it. We want to see your business license. We want to you know see if there's anything. But if there's something missing, uh, we still want to see that application, and maybe that thing that's missing is something we can help you get. So uh, we don't disqualify anyone for, for missing a, a certain thing, but um, as long as you're a good, uh, reasonable business with a good, foresee- uh, feasible project, uh, we're going to give you a good look. I like it. I like it. Um, so what are the uh, what are the application timelines? Is there when does when is this uh, closed? When do people have to have their applications in by? So the applications do have to be in um, by midnight on October 30th. And okay. probably the easiest way to do that is to submit them to um, SB Works. Uh, you can submit them through our website, emailing us at info. That's info at sbworksdc.org. Or you can feel free to drop them off in person. Uh, like you said, we're at 2316 Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Um, it's a it's a fairly short timeline. Um, we released the the applications and the materials last week, but I think when you when you pull up the application, you'll see it's pretty straightforward. It's it's a pretty simple. Um, like I said, lots of questions that are just kind of getting a narrative to make sure you have a good plan for what you want to do and what you've been doing. I, I took a brief look at the application mm-hmm. on your website, and and folks, you. You can download or access the application on at sbworksdc.org. Um, just look uh, for the uh, small business challenge, and uh, it seemed like a, a relatively straightforward application. Like you said, mm-hmm. I think the the most critical part is for businesses to be able to to tell their story. Yeah, you know, not only the story of. Um, what they're doing, but why mm-hmm. what they're doing is important and why it's important for them to get this grant and with the impact that it's going to have on the community and the health of the business and the growth of the business. Exactly. SB Works' big focus is to, to help be an advocate for a small business. So not every small business wants to maximize their profits, right? You may be doing well for your business, but you got to you got to find a way to streamline so that you can go home and pick up your kids from school every day. And that's perfectly all right. A, a story like that in your application um, is is exactly what we're looking for if that's one of the things you want to do. So, uh, yeah, like you said, um, check out the website, sbworksdc.org. That's got some more info on it right there in the middle of the page about the 2017 Small Business Challenge. And um, do the 30th. Even if they're missing something, please feel free to contact us. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us. We're very open. We've got people available to help with applications if you have any questions. And on our Facebook, uh, SB Works on Facebook, we actually uh, did a live question and answer session yesterday. So that's still up, a little video of that. And we'll be doing one uh, this Thursday as well. 
Very good. Very good. Um, anything else uh, coming up on y'all's calendar? Uh, the the challenge is the, the big event for the year. Um, we've got, after the challenge wraps up on the 30th and we get the applications in, we're going to do a recognition event for all the award recipients on November 8th. So that'll be a good event. It was well attended last year. Lots mm-hmm. of people from the city council, mm-hmm. representatives of that. Um, we invite that to, to the public and to the, the award recipients themselves. And if you're ever in the neighborhood, and hopefully you're you're in Rhode Island Avenue for, for various things, you know, checking out good foods or public option or something, uh, feel free to swing by our location at Five Points Business Center. Uh, we've recently got a grant from the uh, Department of Environmental Services to remodel our back patio as a stormwater demonstration garden. Nice. So that is is undergoing this week and next week, and you'll see a, a nicely redone um, stormwater management uh, example. So permeable pavers, um, a you know water barrels or rain barrels to collect water runoff, um, living fences, living walls, things like that. Very nice. So, Wait, your back patio is already a great space to mm-hmm. to work and mm-hmm. hang out. Um, so this is just going to take it up another big notch. Yeah, trying to keep us looking classy there. I like it. I like it. Uh, John Means from SB Works. Uh, again, their website is sbworksdc.org. Uh, if you're a small business interested in getting a grant to grow your business, uh, streamline your business, improve your business, check out the SB Works Small Business Challenge grant at, again, sbworksdc.org. John, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank today. you. That is going to wrap up another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week.